Welcome to the Ashram podcast made possible by the American Society for Healthcare Risk Management to support efforts to advance safe and trusted healthcare through enterprise risk management. You can visit ashram.org, that's A-S-H-R-M dot org slash membership to learn more and to become an Ashram member. I'm Bill Klaproth. And today we're going to talk about inpatient rehabilitation facilities. As you know, there has been tremendous growth and evolution of inpatient rehabs over the years. So the question is, when we're talking about inpatient rehabilitation facilities, are they the acute care hospitals of the future? Hmm. Well, let's answer that question and discuss that with Nancy Connolly, Risk Management Consultant with RCMND, a Unison Risk Advisors company, and Linda Tiemens, Vice President of Quality and Care Coordination at the Sheltering Arms Institute, a collaboration with VCU Health. Nancy and Linda, thank you so much for your time. It is great to talk with you on such an interesting topic. So let's set the stage first. Linda, let me ask you this. How have things changed for IRFs over the years compared to the past? If you could give us that overview first, that would be helpful. Thanks, Bill, for having us on this topic today because things have changed and almost gone full circle. When I started in healthcare back in the late 70s, there were no such things as inpatient rehabs. There were hospitals, and in the hospital, you stayed until you were well, you were healed, or you died, basically. And once the reimbursement system changed in the 80s, we saw the proliferation growth across the nation of what we now refer to as the post-acute continuum. And this consists of not only inpatient rehab facilities, but long-term care hospitals and skilled nursing facilities and home health agencies, and even now services where even home ICU is being considered. So there is a whole different healthcare system that has mushroomed that people don't even understand exists unless you're in it. (laughs) Right. So there has been an evolution of this, for sure, as you said. So let me ask you this question then. How has the risk management function also evolved along with it as well over the years? Well, when the hospitals were freestanding entities in amongst themselves and there were no big health systems, you usually had a person or a department that handled the risk management function. With the growth of many small post-acute hospitals, such as inpatient rehab hospitals that are 40, 60 beds, oftentimes there isn't a budget to have a designated department to handle risk management. So it may be a person that handles multiple hats, could be the infection control preventionist, could be the quality manager, or if it's part of a large corporation that maybe has 50, 60, or 100 hospitals, it may be handled at the corporate level. For us, being a freestanding, independent rehab hospital, we're fortunate to be able to work with people like Nancy, who can be a consultant and refer us to appropriate resources that are available to answer questions that maybe we don't have the in-house expertise to handle. So in understanding your answers, Linda, there has been a tremendous evolution of IRFs from not really having any back, as you said, late 70s, early 80s to where we are now. And there's also been an evolution of risk management as well. So then what would you like your risk counterparts in acute care and aging services to know as we talk about this evolution and growth of inpatient rehabilitation facilities? 
everyone in healthcare is so busy in their own world. I think it's really important that people understand that there was an act of Congress passed in 2014 called the Impact Act, Improving Medicare Post-Acute Care Transformation. And what CMS is demanding are a blurring of quality reporting requirements that are done the same way in all these different settings so that data can be compared as to acuity of patients, what are the risks. And what we've seen with the shift in reimbursement moving towards the post-acute continuum is that the patients are sicker in the sense that in the past, a risk manager in a rehab setting might just be focused on getting the patient home without falls, and other risk management settings may not be aware that now these folks coming out of hospitals into their settings, even into nursing homes, might be brain-injured patients or people with LVADs or transplant patients, complex wounds and burns. They have a much higher risk level medically than we've ever seen. So, Nancy, Linda was just talking about patients that need a higher level of care. From your perspective, then, what are the top three parts of the handoff process that are critical to a safe transition of care? That's a great question, Bill. There are probably many more than three, but I would say my top three, my top one, no matter what the setting, is communication. And that's important both before and during the handoff. So before the handoff, we have to provide information to the receiving facility so that they know whether or not they can accept the patient. Then at the time of handoff, there are several critical pieces of information that are needed in order for the patient to have a safe transition. And you always want to make sure that there's an opportunity for questions and answers from both sides. The second thing would be the capability of the facility and whether or not it's a good fit, whether it's the physical environment, the technology, the staffing patterns, or the skill sets, you have to make sure it's a good fit. The third one is providing an accurate assessment. And again, that has to do with some of that pre-transfer information you're giving, but making sure that you have a clear picture of the person's physical condition, their fall risk, their skin condition, any behavior or physical attributes, make sure that it's accurate and current. And as I said, there are many others, but those would be my top three. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Linda, as we think about inpatient rehabilitation facilities, and as you said, 20, 30 years ago, they didn't really exist. So we have them now. And as you have said, there's been a big evolution to not even having these right in the late 70s, early 80s to really there is a necessity for these. And these inpatient rehabilitation facilities are really taking on more and more and more. So I guess the question is, when we talk about inpatient rehabs, Are they the acute care hospitals of the future? Well, Bill, I think the future is already here. Medicare has a whole host of reimbursement regulations as well for inpatient rehab. And first and foremost, what is being looked at is medical necessity. With everything that's moved into an outpatient setting, 
like we've said before in conversation, it's not just hips and knees anymore. Those people are being taken care of at home or in an outpatient rehab center. So the only purpose for people to be in an inpatient rehabilitation hospital, which we are licensed as an acute care hospital, there is no specialty designation or different type of accreditation for a rehab hospital. These people have to be here because they need 24-7 nursing care. They need to be seen by providers. And in our situation with the types of patients that we take, high-level trauma, new transplants, they also are seen by hospitalists and a variety of specialists, just like they are in a general hospital. So I would say the future is now. So I would put that down in the yes column. (laughs) (laughs) that's certainly what it sounds like and absolutely that makes sense and as we wrap up nancy and linda thank you so much for your time linda can i ask you one more question is there anything else you want to add anything else that we didn't cover that we should talk about one thing i feel passionate about is to encourage everybody in their own silo if you will of where they work and how they do things to keep an open mind That change is coming. It's already here. And the more we work together as a community and hold hands, and as Nancy said at the beginning, put the patient in the center of all of this, that is why we are in healthcare. I think we can still see healing happen and get people back to a quality of life when we all hold hands and work together. If we don't do that, then these poor folks are just going to go from setting to setting to setting to setting bounce back into the hospital, the hospital gets a penalty from Medicare for their readmission rate, and on the cycle goes. So let's keep healthcare about healing. Nicely said, Linda, and excellent perspective, and you're absolutely right about that. Well, this has been a great discussion. Nancy and Linda, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you again. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And once again, that's Nancy Connolly and Linda Tiemens. And to join as a member of Ashram, just go to ashram.org. That's A-S-H-R-M dot org slash membership. The Ashram podcast was made possible by the American Society for Healthcare Risk Management to support efforts to advance safe and trusted healthcare through enterprise risk management. You can visit ashram.org slash membership to learn more and to become an Ashram member. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for topics of interest to you. I'm Bill Clapperoth. Thanks for listening.